0: Hey guys, I'm Henning and I'm Morten from Flip Normals and we are going to be answering your questions today about getting jobs in the visual effects industry, the game industry and the general creative industry. So the first question we have is what field is the hardest and easiest to get into in the VFX industry? Right, yeah, that's a it's not an easy question to answer actually because like we talked about it a little bit before in terms of how do we rank it And it's like semantics. You can't quite rank it hardest to easiest because even the easiest jobs are still hard to get. Uh, One thing we tried to come up with a list that was sort of, we thought paint and roto could be more the entry level jobs. So to be you know perceived to be easier to get. That doesn't mean that there aren't hard tasks in those jobs to get. It just means that most of the time you don't have specialized people entering those positions. Whereas something like a character position, character modeling, character sculpting, whatever it is, anything character related would be in the harder spectrum. You know, it's the harder jobs to land. Yeah, it's one of these where when it comes to character art, the task itself is just quite hard. Yeah. You just have to be of a certain level to be able to do the bare minimum. Mm. But if you're dealing with something like a match moving or rotoing a shot, you have tasks which are just inherently a bit easier yeah. than the other ones. Like you said, there are definitely shots which are really hard to roto, but... The lowest level yeah. is lower than for some of the other ones. I think, I'm thinking, like, maybe something that's pure, like, lighting, not looked at, but just lighting, lighting positions could also be probably easier to land, as well as, we talked about render wrangling, that that one as well. Yeah. Um, there was, um, what was I thinking about? Right, we talked about rigging as well, whereas rigging isn't an easy job you know and it's not not easy to land a position as a rigger when you don't have any experience but the thing about riggers is that they're always needed riggers are always needed so people who are good at rigging might have an easier time finding a job because they're always in demand so it's it's kind of like what do you approach it from yeah sure if you approach it from the sort of you're a beginner and you've never had a job before then being a rigger and becoming a rigger getting a job as a rigger is not easy but it will be easier once you have a portfolio. Yeah, and I think there are a few jobs like that as well, like effects artist, which if, you, if you're if you really good at effects, if you know Houdini in and out, yeah. you, you're probably going to get a job quite easily. But getting to the point where you know <laughs> Houdini quite well, yeah. that is really tricky. One thing we also talked about is uh, getting in as a color grader. That is... A really tricky job to get. Yeah, it's a hard position. It's very hard. Then, then you're often sitting directly with the client and just grading directly there. It's often done in commercials. You have some person sitting on a like a whole flame box, (laughs) and they're just they're just working directly with the client on that. And that's why they're also paid really handsomely. Yes, they are. (laughs) But they're just we. It's the same thing for for editors and like it's being a really good editor is a really difficult job. Like there, you know, there's just stuff about timing and how to cut stuff together that is really hard to grasp. Mm-hmm. So it's not that editing, again, is an easy job. But if you're a hotshot editor, maybe it's easier for you to land a job. But the problem with editors is they're very limited. Yeah. It's the same thing with color graders. It's very limited how many graders and how many editors you actually need. So one position I will, I'm just keep going back to when you hear this question is really concept artist. Mm-hmm. There are. So many people want to become concept artists, <laughs> and there are everyone so who few positions. Like, yeah, yeah. We we hear this all the time whenever we go teaching somewhere. Like half the class wants to become a concept artist, and then after like the first year, everyone is like, oh, "I don't want to be concept." Yeah, artist anymore. exactly. It's such a demanding position because then you are responsible for maybe the vision of the project or the specific designs of it, yeah. the environmental design, the color keys, whatever it is. So it's an incredibly powerful position, and if the concept art it doesn't work. In a film or a game then I mean nothing else is going to work yeah so incredibly important and incredibly high scalable and very few people doing it yeah so even if you're a pretty hotshot console artist it can honestly be quite hard to to get stable employment there and one thing we heard from uh, a friend of ours Vincent was just in terms of like for, for the games industry was uh, effects artists yes. like if you are if you're a good effects artist then getting a job in games is going to be a lot easier, just because they're in such high demand. Yeah, he said they were looking for for artists at CCP Games now for like six months or so, <laughs> yeah. and they only had a few applicants, and they, they really didn't have anyone who were that interested in. So if you know effects for games, yeah, that's apparently again hard to learn. Yeah, but quite easy to stay employed. It seems. Yeah, and I think that's also like it's the same kind of the same thing that goes for v, for the v effects. Like you. You always have to start off with effects in VFX. In the There's always gonna be a need for the people who can do dust when you mm. know the foot lands on the ground. There's always gonna be that. But the higher level effects artist, again, it's a very attractive artist. Very difficult job to do. Yeah, for sure. Very, very difficult. Any simming job and any sort of like full-time Houdini position as well. Yeah. Also super hard. But yeah, like we said, it's it's kind of impossible to truly rank this. I hope this gives a good overview in terms of the different positions but there is no hard to easiest it's more like hardest and less hard yeah exactly i, I would say yeah exactly. and also because some of the more entry-level positions that existed maybe 10 years ago have been outsourced a lot of the entry-level modeling positions they don't really exist anymore and they could be perceived yeah. as more easy to get and easier to do because in the beginning you would just match you know some some photograph or something but that's all been outsourced, and we talked about that a little bit in our in our previous Q and A before, and we've talked about that in many videos as well. Yeah, exactly. So it it be be sure to have up to date information when doing this. So if you want to get into VFX, you really need to talk to people who are in VFX currently. Yeah. If you have two year old information, like you might already be out of date. Yeah. It's it, it's going so bloody fast. Yeah, I mean the same thing goes for us. You know we. We try our best to keep up to date. So we, we talk to people in the industry, yeah. we try to figure out what's going on and you know, just try to keep ourselves up to date with software and, and whatever else happens. So should we do another question? Let's do another question. See, we have a question from the depressed puppy. <laughs> Are you able to have a good and stable life with the income you get from when you start working at a lower end position in the C D slash games industry? And what about higher positions? In the beginning the answer to this is a resounding no. <laughs> when you're starting out in, particularly in the effects, which where we come from, yeah. you, are, you do not have a great work-life balance and a good, you don't have a lot of disposable income in the beginning. No. There are a few reasons for this. First off is that you are most likely living in a very expensive city. If you're living in London, you, you are spending a lot of money on your rent. Yeah, I mean, most of your money goes on rent, yeah. and it will. On constantly, <laughs> yeah, constantly. But particularly in the beginning, yeah. in the beginning, I spent something like seventy percent of my entire salary on rent. Yeah, that is insane, and it's, it's also ridiculous. An, it's it's ridiculous, and it's also an expensive city to live in. And the same goes if you're living in Vancouver or if you're in, you're in LA or something like that. Yeah, it's just very expensive. But also in the beginning, you just aren't that well paid. No, so you're not well paid. Plus, you job security also it's also a bit hard to be honest. If if you get laid off, you can't just necessarily find a new job right away. No. Because you don't, you just don't have a good enough portfolio. For me, in, in the beginning, it took me literally two years before I could show <laughs> any of my work in VFX. <laughs> I still yeah. haven't made a showreel yeah. because now I don't really have to. We don't have to show that to anyone right now. Make like an internal flip note of showreel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But if I lost my job in the first two years, that would have been... Would have been quite tricky. I mean, that was one of the struggles for me. I had um, so I was hired at Cinecide as my very first job over here in London. And in that period, MPC let go of, I don't know. A hundred people. A hundred people. And these were people that flew in from all parts of the world. Mm. And people were laid off. And immediately, obviously, people that flew in and then were living and needed to find jobs elsewhere. So all the other studios that had jobs just picked up all the artists. And my contract ended with Cinecide. And then all of a sudden I was in a position where I had now, you know, I'd worked at the mill for like an internship for like a couple of months before that as well. So I had some stuff on my reel, but, you know, nothing amazing. It was just like junior getting started. And I think I had an eight month period yeah. in London where I, I couldn't find any work. I mean, I mean luckily i had been freelancing before, so I just sort of fell back on, on my freelancing. But it's that can be quite tough and also because there is nothing you can do there no. if a company has let go literally 100 people in <laughs> modeling and texturing <laughs> yeah. that that's tricky because now every single studio has just has just filled their thirst for modelers yeah. so unless you know they have a new somebody has a crazy new show coming up in the next 8 months or yeah. you know then it's just really tricky to to get employed it doesn't matter your skill set if they are just aren't looking for people. It doesn't matter how hot shot you are. No. Like if they've hired other people, then that's just too bad. And so that is a position you can also end up in. And that, that is particularly hard when you're just starting up because you don't have a portfolio. And particularly if you don't have a freelance connections yeah. as well. Or maybe like what Henning mentioned with with his job is he didn't have a showreel for two years. Yeah. Luckily, he was still employed, so that that wasn't a problem. That was honestly quite fortunate that I was. Out, yeah, but out also there. like in terms of living and expenses and stuff like that. You know, your salary is just going to be not very great for your first job in the uh, beginning. In the beginning, yeah, um, but that all comes down to, you know. The company you're working at, how long you stay there, how many times you switch company, how good are you at negotiating, yeah. and we'll do a whole other video on that exactly. at some point. Yeah. But to answer the second part of the question, which is in the beginning, what about higher positions? As you go into it and you become you become more senior, it becomes quite comfortable. Yeah, like then after a few years, if you've been if you've been negotiating quite well, you, it becomes it becomes pretty nice. If you're a single and you don't have a family. <laughs> if you're not a I fan. mean, the moment you have to take care of two, three people, that's yeah. a whole different ballgame. But uh, my life became very nice after, after yeah, a few I mean, years. After a couple of years, it's... it's Like I said, we'll do a whole video about the whole salaries and yeah. stuff. But it's I was very surprised. When I first entered the field of VFX, I didn't do it because I thought, okay, I'll just make a lot of money, that'll no. be great. I thought, okay, we can make maybe this much... But after a few years, you start to negotiate, you start to figure out, okay, yeah, it's kind of a game. How do you play the game? And then you just move up. So if you you play your cards right, then it can get very comfortable. And this is where, as a disclaimer, we are going to have bitter VFX artists in the comments saying that, guys, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't make a lot of money in VFX. Based on the UK average, a senior position is around double. Yeah. Like, you make... A lot more compared to the UK average. If you compare it to being a VP at a bank or something or (laughs) (laughs) a Silicon Valley programmer, no, you're not making $200,000 a year like you can do as a programmer if you're a hotshot. But compared to UK average, compared to world average, you are really doing quite well once you get into it. What is more troubling is the job security though. Yeah. That is, <laughs> a lot of people are on uh, six-month contracts. Maybe. And that it almost doesn't matter if you're if you're junior, mid, or senior. No, no. It's the longest contract I've ever had was a year. Mm, and that's too. that's like a long contract. Yeah. Most contracts are between three and six months. Yeah, I've heard of people who, uh, a friend of mine, he just got hired for <laughs> six weeks. <laughs> Ridiculous. You heard for people getting extended for like literally a week. Yeah, And that is insane. Yeah, and you don't know until the, the week that you're supposed to be let go yeah. anyway and you know it's job security is uh is just not great in vfx no you have some people who are on permanent positions it's rare mm-hmm. but also permanent position can mean who knows it yeah might it be a means bit... that they have i don't know twice as long to let you go yeah or something yeah you know? it's job security is not great but uh, I, I feel you do get compensating accordingly yeah. to that All What right. is the next question by uh Gerardo Torres on YouTube. What are some ways to build your network for those who are self-learning? Now, this is a tricky one. This is a tricky one. (laughs) Because our first thought was like, okay, schools. All right, you're self-learning. You're not going to school. You're not going to school. Right. So, um, you know, the internet. The internet is a great place to start. And that's where you're going to find most of the communities. So, it's just about infiltrating all those communities, whether it's uh, Discord channels, uh i don't know twitch chats for artists that you personally like mm. maybe there's other people that like to watch that artist it can be uh, weekly monthly challenges you know go on cg society or something game Find jams game jams yeah there's a bunch of challenges on on facebook as well any sort of art community or cg community that you that jives with you that's a good way to expand your network and then just starting to create things and putting it out there i know i've had this talk with some of my friends who were like starting out years ago and they didn't want to put their stuff on polycount mm. because they were afraid like they were afraid of the feedback but it's like they wanted feedback but they're afraid of the feedback mm. but you, so at some point you just you just got to bite the bullet because if you don't put stuff out there people are not going to know who you are I think that's one of the most important things. I mean, I have a pretty good network in in the 3D industry and creative industry, and I've I've essentially always had that, even when I was a teenager and got started with it. And it wasn't because I was a crazy hotshot. It was just because I just put my stuff out there. It wasn't necessarily great, but what people like to see was seeing the progression. They didn't see me as the great dude. They saw me as the guy who was progressing quite fast because I took their feedback all the time and I just posted it everywhere. Yeah, and then you just start talking to more people, like reach out to some professionals, maybe see if you can share your work with them, get some feedback, and then you slowly start to build that network. It's something that takes years to build, um, especially for self-learners who won't have an immediate network around them. Um, We talked a little bit about festivals and events and stuff like that as well, where Mm. it can be tricky. I mean, you can network there, uh, but most people are probably there to see stuff, not to necessarily network. Maybe you can network with companies, though. That that is a possibility. Yeah, I would say do stuff which makes you attractive to other people. And I don't mean like go to the gym and get super thick. (laughs) I mean stuff like uh, become good, do produce good training for people, make good resources. Then you might have... uh, you might have people like uh, Michael Dunham who's doing the XMD brushes where a bunch of people know him because of that. Yeah. You have Jonas Ren- Renegor who's doing a bunch of really awesome uh, alphas and yeah. painter materials and people really get to know him because he's doing this very specific thing. So make good work, make good articles and tutorials, make good resources. Oh yeah, articles and tutorials, mm. yeah. Make something which is useful. I mean, honestly, our... Our network has increased dramatically since we started taking YouTube seriously, like about a year ago now, January last year. Now we have so many people who we can talk to about so many different things because we're exposing ourselves to the internet. Yeah, and it's if like if we don't know something about a particular topic, then we can always reach out to people that we've met or talked to before now. And you know, so you know, starting a YouTube channel is also one way. Yeah, Um, it's pretty hard, but uh, yeah, I mean, it just requires a lot of work. So there's there's obviously that. (laughs) But I think the first sort of plan of attack is just getting your work out there. Yeah. I think that's the best way. Yeah, getting your work out there and just start asking questions and also helping people as well. That can really help you. Yeah. Because when one thing when it comes to helping people is the person you're helping might not be great right now, but maybe in two years he is. Yeah. I had that when I got my job at NPC. That was that uh, was recommended by a friend of mine who I was helping out a few years beforehand. So I gave him a hand in the beginning, and then he gave me a hand later on. So that can really help you get friendships yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean it's just nepotism is, is the key yeah. to VFX apparently, which yeah. is which is a little annoying sometimes, uh, especially in the beginning because the less people you know, the harder it is to get a job. Yeah, the more people you know, the more people could recommend you. So like it's just it's a little like an evil circle. Yeah, there, it is. So unfortunately. Next question. Next question, which I think is the last one. Yeah, is uh, how to see how to succeed an interview. What should you ask to the recruiter so they can see your interest? Yes. Yeah, right. So we 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 had a discussion with some people earlier today about this exact thing and. It becomes a bit deeper than just what should I ask in an interview. It's not like you have an itemized list where, okay, ask this thing and they're gonna be, you're gonna get 10 XP points. Ask this thing and oh, this is a really good one. <laughs> hired. <laughs> yeah, hired, because now do you ask all the right questions? It's a good question you're asking, of course, but an interview is to get to know you. Yeah. And it's a conversation. I know there are some places where they're gonna grill you. They're gonna figure, out are stress test you and figure out, you know, can do you know all this stuff. I haven't heard of this in VFX, but I heard some of this in games yeah. where they're and on programming as well, where they're like do whiteboard tests. And yeah, yeah, You're supposed to do that, and that is to test you. But in VFX, I've never had an interview which has felt stressful. No, it's a chat. You come there because you have a company which is very interested in getting you. They're they're getting they're interested in getting to know you you've already proven that you can do the the stuff based on your portfolio yeah now they just need to weed out the crazies from (laughs) the rest of them because even though you have a great portfolio you can still not be a team player or like maybe like there's something about you that just doesn't sit well with the company you know they don't feel like you jive so that's really the main purpose of i guess the interview it's just like it's to get the figure out if your soft skills match your hard skills essentially. Yeah, I've, uh, I've I've seen some people here who've been asking, like, when, if somebody asks you, what makes me contribute well to the team, what should I answer? You should answer, how do you contribute to the team? (laughs) It really is one of these where you, you should just be yourself and don't be a dick. Don't be arrogant. Yeah. Really just be, be calm, casual, try to be yourself. Like, I've never been an, to an interview in the effects where you've gotten the standard uh reddit bullet points no. of how to do an interview like where do you see yourself in 10 years and uh, describe the i mean yes there are variations of it where they're like what would you like to do mm. you know are you do you want to go in as a supervisor maybe at some point or do you just like being an artist doing this uh that kind of stuff like what are your what are your like general goals but i feel like it's never been the okay where you suit into the interview no. And then talk about your strengths and weaknesses kind of stuff. And don't wear a suit. Yeah, don't wear a suit. Don't wear too. a suit. Uh, I've <laughs> talked to some recruiters who have saying that if you wear a suit, you are immediately disqualified <laughs> from the job. And that's not because they hate suits. It's because it it, com- it shows a deeper issue. It shows that you fundamentally don't understand the culture of a company. Yeah. So if you come in there to see if you're a good fit for the culture of a company and you show that you fundamentally misunderstand the co- company culture. Yeah, you're 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 just gonna have a hard time. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that you're actually gonna get disqualified, <laughs> but you know, maybe don't wear a suit. No. Yeah. Yeah. So the answer to the question, like like what should you ask? Well, what do you what are you wondering about? What what questions do you have in the interview? Yeah. Are you curious about what benefits that company have? Are you curious what tasks are you gonna get? Where could they see you fitting yeah. in? And yeah, it's not really about. It's not so much about. You, there's no like checklist that you have to ask and no. answer these questions and therefore you'll be qualified for the job. It's not like if you ask the recruiter, oh, okay, so if I do this and this, like, what do you want me to do here? Like that, That's not how it works. I mean, if you have any legitimate questions or any interest about the company that, that you think they can answer, then ask that question. I think yeah. that that's, that's the best answer I can give. I've seen this so many times on Reddit and other sites where it's like, ask these specific questions and you're going to be good and if you don't have any questions at the end of it just make something up it shows engagement well (laughs) you might appear to be an idiot (laughs) you know ask what you're wondering about yeah and i think that's that's about it i would love to talk more about the whole interview process at some point yeah the whole getting how do you apply what do you do how do you what do you say what do you not? what do you don't say yeah it's a longer video even though even though this is again a long Q&A it's like we're really bad at keeping (laughs) it short but uh, uh, thank you guys so much for submitting your questions Um, you know it seems like there's a lot of engagement for this and if we keep seeing that we're definitely going to keep doing more of these so thank you guys so much for watching and make sure to like comment and subscribe thanks guys